Hi team! I know it's been a long time since I recorded my last podcast and I have just had so much going on and um, as much as I ordinarily would like to have social media and my podcast at the forefront of my life right now, it just isn't. Um, It's more of a side hustle slash hobby for the time being until I um, work out, you know, my day to day in the next couple of years. But this week I started my new job, so I've just been absolutely flat stick. Today I worked um, about 10 hours and after having six weeks not working at all, uh, you could say that I'm sort of doing a return to work, work hardening sort of situation. My body each night just crashes hard um, and waking up in the morning, it's freezing and dark and yeah, so back to the adult, um, adult world of waking up in the morning and having to go to work but it is nice to have my uh, some meaning back and and purpose I was finding that despite having things to keep me occupied and stimulated without actually working I am a totally different human being I thrive on um, stimulus and hustle and I, I need things I need constant growth so I thought we would this week just quickly touch base on my mindset hack for the week. So last time, um, the last couple of times I've talked to you guys about some mindset hacks that I've been implementing in my day to day. Just simple things because I'm... Sorry, my map just got in my ear and told me to turn right. But there is so many people turning right. So we're just going to go straight. Okay, yeah, so look, mindset hacks. I like to keep them simple because I already have so much going on in my life and I'm one of those people that if I have too much happening, I become inundated and it causes me stress and anxiety. And I think that's a pretty natural human reaction for most people when it comes to being incredibly busy, especially if you've got a family, um, you've got bills to pay or you work a, a complex job that drains you a lot emotionally and physically. So my mindset hack that I've been implementing actually for the past couple of weeks is simple but been highly effective, I think, and it is just being aware. I know it sounds so basic, but um, just awareness of yourself, your thought processes, things going on in your life, decisions that you make and, and how they make you feel. Goodness me, the traffic here is wild. This is probably the heaviest traffic I've seen in SA since living here. Now that I'm back working in the real world. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, I just being aware. So for me, I um, was fielding multiple job offers for a while there and it was actually causing me <laughs> a great deal of stress because rather than just making a decision, I was delaying Um, with concerns that whichever option I chose, there was three, that it wouldn't be the right one or there'd be consequences to that. So um, naturally I really took my time in making a decision because I left another job which I, I really enjoyed and I had really great benefits and I I know that you can't sort of duplicate all good jobs and find good jobs everywhere forever and ever but I really wanted to make a good step in terms of career choice so 
I think I made the right choice so far so good I get my weekends and I get the financial freedom to be able to continue my explorations around this beautiful state while I'm living here so that's why I moved here so that I could explore South Australia and that's what I'm going to do for the foreseeable future unless things change so being aware kind of I guess the way that I'm trying to explain it is if you're finding okay so common stresses for people would be paying your bills right finance is a huge thing for everyone um work so your employment if it's not bringing you some kind of joy meaning or or financial support then it's probably incredibly stressful for you or it might be all of the above relationships with people whether it's your partner your family or friends so just i'm having an awareness of each factor in your life and if you are finding that you're really anxious a lot lately break it all down Um, I obviously went all out in May and I quit my my big corporate job in the city I left my um, family and friends and home behind to move to a state that I've never lived in before and I have a few people down here that I know but it's it's a totally different environment for me so it as much as I wanted to prepare myself for that there's been a lot of learnings and I'm just trying to tap into how things have been making me feel and being aware of what's making me feel that way and making changes because you are never stuck and I know that it feels like you might be stuck in a job or stuck in a situation but you are never stuck and there is always a way to change things if you're not happy Um, so yeah that's my mindset hack for this podcast so let's jump into a little bit of exploration that I've been doing while I've been living here okay I've elected to turn off my maps because it was incredibly distracting and the traffic is horrendous it's a quarter past five here and I've decided to drive home without a map because I'm essentially a local now right it's week seven I should know how to get home from here even if it takes me an extra 40 minutes because of the horrendous traffic anyway last weekend was a long weekend in South Australia and um Despite the current mouse situation, which I'm not sure if everyone's finding the same thing, but when we did our trip down here, we had mice all through New South Wales and Victoria, and they were jumping on our tent and all sorts of things. So um, we camped down the York Peninsula, and if you haven't seen pictures of York Peninsula or been there before, I encourage you to look up on Instagram or um, Google the York Peninsula. It is probably one of my most favourite places in Australia and I say that knowing that there's some gorgeous places in WA that I haven't been to yet. And obviously it's a different type of um, coastline with regards to Queensland coastal camping and things like that because obviously we have Fraser, Stratty, um, those sorts of spots. And it's just, it's a totally different ball game. So it's this huge peninsula that um, takes about four and a half hours from Adelaide to get to the bottom of, well, where we went, it did. 
and it's just stunning. So the, the Innes National Park is right down the bottom of the peninsula. It's $11 a day for a pass to just drive around for the day and you can spend a whole day in there easily. If you're a surfer, it's a really cool spot. There's a lot of great surf. Just pick your tides right and um, pick your time of year as well. There's no patrolled beaches down there. So if you're not a strong swimmer, it's not ideal if you don't feel safe or you're not in a group of people who A, are great swimmers or B, great at first aid. And I'm, I'm saying that um, strongly because I worked as a surf lifesaver for a long time and it was not nice seeing people that didn't know how to handle the water and I personally have not swum down in the national park it's not advised and um, yeah so it's just something to be mindful of it's beautiful 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 spot though so you can spend the day in the peninsula uh, in the Innes National Park $11 or you can book campsites we actually tried to book campsites for the long weekend, but it was so incredibly busy that we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't get a spot. We could get Friday night, um, but yeah, the rest of the weekend was just packed. So we ended up purchasing a three-night pass from the council. I think it's the Marion Council. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening. Um, and that was $10 a day. $10 a night for camping and there's 19 campsites that you can choose from so you purchase the pass it checks your registration so the rangers drive around each day check that everyone's got a pass if you don't they generally have an iPad with them so that you can purchase a pass from them it's not the kind of camp situation where the ranger has a car full of firewood and things like that they're just there to check that you have valid um, passes to camp and be in that area. It's first in best dressed situation. So Gleason's Landing obviously being a top touristy spot. We arrived 10 p.m. on Friday night and got a spot and it was next to this lovely couple with a caravan. So we got lucky there. But over the next 24 hours, it filled up pretty, pretty well. Um, I think you could probably find a couple of spots towards the end in the more exposed area. But we were, in, we were in a prime position, well protected, just not well protected from mice. So each night we had mice digging under our tent, thankfully not into the tent, and all sorts of things happening there. We got to test out our new June, which is um, a brand by Anaconda. So we had a June inflatable foam, self-inflating foam mattress, queen size, um, just because I had concerns last time I camped with a, a um, double height inflatable airbed, it was freezing because obviously the air inside the airbed m overnight matches that air around you, even out sort of outside the tent and can also cause condensation. So I've I've camped in all sorts of situations with all sorts of camp beds, but I'd, I'll never forget the time that I camped in a spot in Queensland with an airbed and was not well prepared. And I ended up sleeping with my beanie and thermals on because the air inside the airbed created condensation and made it wet. <laughs> so I've come a long way since then, guys, I promise. Anyway, 
York was gorgeous, cold, but not too bad. It sounds like our fellow Queenslanders up north actually probably had cooler weather than we did over the weekend. And we also explored down the coast, checked out the lighthouses, Corny Point. So you can actually camp at Corny Point as well, but it is a very exposed part of the coastline. And that also falls under the council permit, I'm pretty sure. I have to check that one. I did post it on my Instagram, which you guys would know by now is Free Spirit Exploring. Hence the name, Exploring with Jade. Anyway, that was a really great weekend. I really want to check out the Flinders Ranges. That's up and coming and something that I'll be planning over the next month or so. I just wanted a little more time to navigate the campsite. So you, there's a lot of walking trips you can do down here. You can walk the York, so you can walk the entire peninsula if you want to. I'm not sure how long that would take. Please DM me if you've done something like that. Um, but yeah, so Flinders, there's a lot of walk-in campsites. I'm more of a wanna drive in and have my car beside me because my car is set up in that touring space where I have my fridge and my drawers and everything like that. So um, that's really important for me that I can get to a campsite rather than walking in. So I'm still sort of scoping out that area and I've had a few locals give me a few pointers on some good spots and some four-wheel driving tracks which would be nice we haven't been out four-wheel driving for a little while I think the, the moto tracks here seem to be in short supply as far as we can tell but we'll, we'll continue on that hunt if anyone's got any tips in that space please let me know to touch on today with regards to camping, touring, travel, that sort of thing. I just wanted to chat to you about, because um, i got a lot of female listeners and a lot of female followers on my Instagram page who ask quite regularly how I solo travel. So obviously you would know by now I have a partner and we frequently camp together but there is still the odd occasion where I camp on my own. But prior to him, I was camping a lot by myself. And there's a lot of factors that came into play for me when camping alone, particularly if I was out of range of phone signal, away from family and friends, um, somewhat mechanically minded, but not with the ability to fix any major issues happening with my car. So. There's a, there's a lot of um, research that I did on what vehicle to purchase, how to set it up appropriately. You would, you know, anyone that follows me would know that my car is not excessively modified. I am hugely into cars and my car person. However, what I have learned over the years in having all sorts of performance vehicles in my life is that the more modifications, the more problems that can go wrong, cars come out of a factory a certain way and the minute that you start changing things generally speaking you've got to change other things and you know it's just an, a never-ending project so there is a few modifications on my car you can probably hear it actually in the background <laughs> I've got my heater on because I'm freezing um, but minor things and 
I'm more of a quality over quantity sort of person so I'd rather save up my money over a couple of months and purchase something of good quality that I know it's going to last me a lifetime and keep me safe versus putting a $2,000 suspension from eBay in my car for example. So I have had my 105 series now for just over a year and before that I had Hilux which was designed for off-roading and that's about it and it wasn't very well designed for off-roading because I bunged up CVs all the time and did the front diff so this cruiser for me was very much a long-term build that I wanted to progressively add to over the next few years it's my baby so I um, obviously purchased the car checked everything over mechanically did a few little things here and there put a new snorkel on because everyone loves a good snorkel. I put a stainless steel one on. I know that that's not something that you necessarily need and I wasn't really seeking any performance out of it. But I like the look of them and um, it's a cool little thing that I could add on that wasn't excess extremely expensive, I suppose. I also got new wheels and tyres. I opted for steel rims. Now this is a huge debate. <clears throat> I'm sure that everyone has their own opinion on it. The reason why I opted for steelies is because I have cracked um, rims before, not in a four-wheel drive. <laughs> I had a WRX that took I took on the dirt quite a lot. Um, so I, I bought the steelies in the hopes that they would be longer lasting and easier to repair if I decided to walk one, however. But I'm not an extreme off-roader, so I'm hoping that never happens. But it also looks nice just having black steel rims. I've also got decent all-terrains. Now, obviously, it doesn't always come down to how much money you spend on a tyre, although I did do a lot of research. I researched for about four months before I purchased these Ricky Thompsons. Again, everyone has their opinion of them. I find them great. They're sort of... I like to say they're 50-50. That's what they say that they are um, in describing them, but I'd probably say they're more 60-40. There's not a lot of tyre sound when I'm driving around and touring and there's great grip when I'm off-road. So, and um, they look mad. They've got a really good tread pattern that can accommodate everything and they're great at flicking rocks out so nothing ever gets stuck in them. <laughs> anyway, back to talking about safety. So obviously those things I've been talking about, some of them are aesthetic. Tires are not. Tires are something that I find really important for safety and um, especially because I'm driving on roads a lot in all sorts of terrain and in all sorts of weather, I need good tires that are going to get me somewhere safely, grip to the road, grip to the dirt and stop when I need them to. So obviously to coincide with that, you want good brakes that are gonna stop when you need them to. <laughs> So, you know, that's something that comes down to maintenance and just checking that everything's always up to date and safe in that sense and investing money in those sorts of things over lift and that sort of stuff. You know, you've got to prioritise things. But in, in saying that, I... 10 years ago, if you had asked me the first modification that I would have done to this car is I would have jacked it up. 
So, you know, it, everyone's priorities change. I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> anyway, back to safety for solo travel. So this is not necessarily for women. Obviously, there's a lot of blokes out there that travel on their own and your um, being male or female doesn't really change too much um, in terms of whether or not this is useful information for you. So, you know, blokes would probably find it useful too. I have a Zolio. Um, it's a handy little piece of satellite equipment that gives you a booster of your mobile phone. So the Zolio itself, I think, is fairly reasonably priced for what it is. Um, the thing to keep in mind is that you do then have to purchase, you have to activate it and purchase like a monthly subscription to use it, to, to tap into their satellite um, information. You don't have to leave it as an ongoing contract. You can um, stop and start it whenever you need. So if you're going to go away for six months, you know, you'd activate it, use it for six months, and then cancel it at the end. It doesn't allow you to make phone calls, but you can send messages. So it's handy in that sense that if you are going to be in some remote locations, even with a Telstra booster, that doesn't always work. I'm with Vodafone at the moment. It definitely does not work. It's good to just be able to send a message to people with where you are. Then that way if something happens or you don't turn up in a couple of days' time, they know where, where you last were. That sort of thing. So it doesn't have to be that product exactly. I'm just telling you what I use. But yeah, I do find something like that is handy. Also, when I have driven through um, Outbush or through the Outback, I use a Telstra SIM card. So I have a prepaid Telstra SIM card that I use while I'm away. And that's also nice because um, only my friends and family have that number. So I definitely get left alone in that sense to enjoy my trip instead of having my phone constantly buzzing off. Um, so yeah, those sorts of things. And then also, I think pre-planning, and I know we had this discussion in my last podcast, not everyone likes to plan too far ahead. But if you want to be safe, you really need to know or have a general idea. Even if it's option A, B or C, you might drive 500 Ks and then go, oh, you know what, I'm going to keep going. Well, that's great but where are you going to go you can't really there has been some free campsites where I have pulled in and camped it's the middle of the dark people drive past it's probably not the safest place to camp on your own and I've I've been with people when I've camped in places like that um, everyone's different I I'm comfortable camping in the bush on my own at times but there are other times where I feel more comfortable camping in a tourist park around other people checking in with management and that sort of thing. Um, also, when it comes to social media, it, it is a safety factor posting in real time. We all want to trust each other. Most people are good humans. Some people are not. So if you are going to post locations and campsites and things like that, do it out of time, you know. Um, I mean, I went down York over the weekend and I didn't really post anything until Monday. That was a little bit of a different scenario but I'm just talking here about traveling on your own. We all want to see what you're up to and the beautiful places that you're at 
but just think about those seedy individuals that could be um, following along for alternative reasons. Keep yourself safe and make smart choices with social media. things I wanted to touch on so recovery of your vehicle and first aid so I wouldn't be going down any muddy tracks hills climbs full driving if I wasn't 100% confident that if something went wrong I could recover myself I know I said that you can use um, communication equipment to contact people if you do need help but I prefer to not get myself into a sticky situation to begin with but if I'm I'm going to put myself at a mild risk of getting stuck for example getting bogged I would want to know how to recover and that just comes with practice and learning and hopefully you're lucky enough that you have someone who can coach you through those sorts of things It's something that you can't really watch a YouTube video about and then go out and get stuck one day and hope for the best. You really almost need to go and get yourself stuck in sticky situations with other people around intentionally so that you can learn to recover yourself if you need to. Um, And I have friends who have been out on solo trips and gotten stuck and it's taken them hours to get out so also consider If you are going to get stuck somewhere, try not to do it at night. That's always a hard task to do it at night. You're going to take some good lighting with you if that's your intention. Now, I don't run a winch. I've got max tracks. I've got max tracks. Um, I don't have a high lift jack. I have my little factory jack in the back of the car for changing tyres. I can change a tyre myself, but they are bloody hard work, are they not? Especially these big 33s. Okay, they're not the biggest tyre on the market, but um, for someone of my size, trying to pick one of those up and hold it and, and place it, things like that, can be hard work, especially at the end of the day of driving, if I've been driving for eight hours. So, you know, things like that, recovery, changing your tyre, if something breaks, you know, there's a few um, bits of equipment that I keep in my car handy for fi- fixing small mechanical things. You know, for example, if a hose splits, things like that. Um, if you burst in a radiator and whatnot, don't ask me for help there. I would be calling for someone to come and <laughs> fix it or tow me away. Anything to do with cooling, heating, etc. Yeah, and then obviously in terms of safety and recovery and that sort of thing, I have roadside assist. And I have a high level of roadside assist. It's not cheap. Um, I have been working out of uni for a long time now and can comfortably pay my high premium and high roadside assist for my own safety. You might not have that luxury if you're just starting out or you're working part-time while you're studying etc so maybe it might be handy to kind of get yourself involved in the four-wheel drive community and join a few facebook groups 
and that sort of thing and have those people around if you need them to come and get you. And then lastly, there is first aid. I keep multiple first aid kits in my car um, and then depending on the terrain that I'm going to be in, I might add extra things from my first aid kit at home. I definitely need to upgrade mine. I'd like one that um, is a bit bigger. At this stage, I've just got minor things to help with basic injuries. So I, you know, if you're gonna go on a big trip, invest in a decent first aid kit they're not expensive by comparison to not having it in your car and then something really bad happening to you and having to pay a shit ton of medical fees so first aid is important i always also keep things um in the car like pandol but also things for digestion and that sort of thing i find while i'm camping i probably don't eat the same way that I would if I was at home so I try to get my fruit and veg in but if you're sitting down all day and that sort of thing it's nice to have veggie capsules and or um, things like that that help keep your, your you know your immune system happy and healthy while you're away because no one wants to come back from a long camp trip and you're sick it seems to happen to me quite a lot <laughs> Yeah, so look, I, I do have other safety tips which I'm not going to broadcast on this podcast and um, any solo travellers who are on solo, uh, especially female solo travellers, any pages that you might be on um, do have tips and tricks on there, but they're not sort of something that I'm going to share on this public podcast. But if you do have any questions any particular questions dm me um i had a couple of girls last week message me just a few questions about particular trips that i've done because they're planning them themselves some people are lucky and they get to take their dog so um that i find that also helps i'd feel a lot less lonely if i was camping with my dog so you know by all means if you can make your trip work i i really enjoy my national park so i really struggled when i had a dog but yeah so i hope that you found this podcast useful in a sense i guess i really want them to be handy hints for people and i don't want to be talking at you with bullshit this is just stuff that i find useful obviously there's a lot there's a lot more information but um, there's only so long one can talk and I'm starting to lose my voice again. <laughs> I am um, still trying to shake the cough from three weeks ago from the flu that I had. Get those funny looks from people wondering whether or not you have the current um, COVID situation going on. Anywho, thanks for listening. And yeah, look, if, if there's anything that you want to talk about in particular, like I said, I get messages from people and I've never thought to actually share them on a podcast before, but someone mentioned it to me yesterday and I think I'm going to start streamlining things in that sense and, and try and keep it consistent for you guys. Now that I'm working again, I'm, I've got my mojo back a bit more and I can get into a bit more of a routine and 
try and keep the posts weekly. So yeah, cheers for listening and um, DM me on Free Spirit Exploring with any places down here in SA that you'd recommend camping because I'm so keen to get amongst it and I'm ready to go. The crew's ready to go. We're getting there.